This meeting is being recorded. Hello, this is the Surviving Healthcare Podcast, and I have a special guest today who's well-known nationally named Sheriff Mack. And rather than introduce him with my uh, limited knowledge about him, I want him to just go ahead and tell us a little bit about himself. Welcome, Mr. Mack, Dr. Ura, I mean, uh, sorry. Uh, well, well, actually, there's another show. Uh, there's another show host that calls me Dr. Sheriff Mack. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that honorific applies. You can call me Robert. Well, okay. Uh, no problem. Uh, but yes, uh, I, I believe that uh, what I've been through uh, is worth a doctorate degree. Um, uh, you know, as a sheriff, uh, I became the first person first sheriff in American history to launch a major lawsuit against the federal government, against the Clinton administration, no less, take it all the way to the United States Supreme Court and win. Uh, and uh, I'm grateful for the six sheriffs that joined me in that lawsuit, but I'm also uh, very disheartened that only seven of us did this battle when it included every sheriff in the country. That's 3,086 sheriffs and only seven uh, took up the battle. And uh, I was the one that started the whole thing. Uh, it was against the overreach of the Clinton administration regarding the Brady Bill. The Brady Bill was the first um, uh, in American history, a, a quote law, a statute that required sheriffs to enforce federal law. Uh, and uh, it, 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 in fact, this is what is so unique and crazy, absolutely insane, that was associated with the Brady Bill, if we failed to comply with this federal mandate, we were subject to a year in prison, a $10,000 fine, or both. And, and people think I make that stuff up. This is how crazy and insane it was. And, and then only seven sheriffs stood up and said, no, we won't do it. Uh, and as a matter of fact, when the uh, three agents of the BATF showed up at our Sheriff's Association meeting in Phoenix, and there's only 15 counties in Arizona, so only 15 sheriffs, only 13 sheriffs were at the meeting, and the BATF agents uh, from Washington, D.C. brought us a 25-page document that detailed our marching orders from Congress and the White House, and we were all looking at this, and we're going, we don't work for you guys. And they go, well, Congress passed the law, the Brady Bill, and so you're stuck. So I don't care how many laws they pass. We do not work for you, and you cannot tell us what to do. Well, I was the one really basically saying that, and uh, I was the youngest sheriff in the state at the time. Again, this was January 21st, 1994. And uh, I, went, I told the other sheriffs I was not going to do it. I was not going along. Uh, the rest of them just kind of looked at me like I didn't know what I was talking about. Well, uh, I did know what I was talking about, and we filed this lawsuit. No other sheriff from Arizona joined me in the lawsuit. Uh, the first one to join was Sheriff Prince from Montana, and then Sheriff Coog from Texas, and then uh, one from Louisiana, one from Mississippi, one from Vermont, and one from Wyoming. So there were seven of us, and Sheriff Prince and I, ended up at the Supreme Court in December of 1996. And Justice Scalia rendered the decision in June 27, 1997. And it's the most powerful 10th Amendment decision in the history of America. And it's the most powerful state sovereignty decision 
ever rendered. And it's one of the most powerful decisions ever rendered by the United States Supreme Court. And I did a review of the case. Here it is right here. This is my own review of the case. I looked it up uh, and Cornell University Law School did the most comprehensive uh, review of the case that I've seen. And I spent days uh, highlighting all the most important parts. And I put it in this little pocket-sized booklet and it's available on my website. And every American should make sure that every public official has a copy of this so they understand and see this miraculous state sovereignty case that says the federal government is not our boss. And just because they act like it doesn't make it so. Well, that's that's fantastic. And uh, I, I just want to ask you a quick detail question before we uh, bring oh. this back to today. How much did your legal fees cost and how did you fund it? I mean, that must have been cost uh, ah. hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it was it was an originally a, 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 a federal court uh, thing that was appealed twice. Right. Appealed to the they've got an appeal. So how much did it all cost? Well, <laughs> that's another part of the miracle. So uh, I wasn't a member of anything. I wasn't a member of the NRA, Gun Owners of America at the time. I, uh, I was very non-political in a lot of ways. I was always very constitutional, uh, but there wasn't very too many constitutional groups out there that really appealed to me either. Uh, I've tried every party to try to find some semblance of our constitution. So I, I've joined, I've been an independent, I've been a constitution party, I've been a Democrat, I've been a Republican. Uh, I've been just about everything you can possibly join. Uh, but uh, I never found anything that was not about the party and totally about the constitution and individual liberty. And so um, I had an undersheriff at the time who was a life member of the NRA and he uh, collected guns and I was never into guns. I don't hunt. Uh, gun, all a gun is to me is, is a, a sign of liberty. It's, a, it's my personal uh, right. Uh, no one on the face of the planet has the uh, a power or authority or, or constitutional authorization to take my gun away from me. As long as I'm a peaceful citizen, I can own any gun I want, and it's not up to my neighbors or my government uh, to monitor what kind of gun I own. Uh, with that said, uh, I was really perplexed how to sue the federal government when I got home from that meeting. Uh, my wife totally surprisingly, miraculously, totally endorsed what I was trying to do, even though she didn't understand it. Uh, so she really made the decision to go after the federal government because if she had refused, there's no way I would have ever done it. So I, I uh, got a phone number from my undersheriff uh, to call the NRA and I didn't know where else to turn. Uh, and I was not a member of the NRA. Uh, and so I finally got passed around at the NRA uh, quite a bit and I landed on a phone call with a man by the name of Richard Gardner. And uh, he was a, a lawyer for the NRA. I told him who I was and what I wanted to do, because as you alluded to, I certainly didn't have hundreds of thousands of dollars for this case, uh, not even close. And uh, my conversation with Richard Gardner couldn't have been more miraculous. He said, Sheriff, 
uh, we've already been preparing the paperwork on this lawsuit, on this case. Uh, and, and I thought we were going to go after the federal government on the Second Amendment. He goes, you have no standing on the Second Amendment. You're exempt from the Brady Bill. And I said, okay, so what are you preparing? He said, we're preparing a Tenth Amendment challenge to protect the Second Amendment and the Constitution and your right as a sheriff. And, and I said, wow. And he, and he said, uh, we, we have the money, we have the lawyers, and we're ready to go. So on February 28th, the very day the Brady Bill took effect, and I hired my own lawyer to work with the lawyers uh, at the NRA, because I didn't want it to just be the NRA case. I wasn't going to work for the NRA. They, they were going to work with me and for me on this case. And that's how it happened. But they paid for the whole thing, except I did pay for my own lawyer. So uh, to bring and, this. And you're talking about a, 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 about three and a half year case. It took three and a half years and a little over $500,000. Wow. Those constitutional lawyers are cost of fortune. Uh, yeah. So just to show the relevance of this to my listeners, um, Sheriff Mack has been he's been a uh, important part of our freedom movement lately. And he jumped on this uh, bandwagon far uh, before the rest of us even woke up, you know, over yeah. the last year to 18 months to two years. So uh, he, the, the, the critical part of this thing is to explain how the sheriffs are independent, uh, an independent uh, law enforcement operation that is different from the police and the highway patrol and all the other people. And I, I'm going to ask him to explain that to the audience in just a moment. But just to anchor this relevance, uh, you know, right now, there's a movement to get a grand jury together to convict the COVID conspirators. And if apparently the sheriffs have an, some ability to do that, that is separate from the state attorney generals and all that. So I'm going to ask him about that in a bit. Um, and that's that's a part of the reason why I've, I've got him on. But uh, go ahead with your explanation of uh, of the rest of it. Well, OK. And so um, the, the whole thing was just miraculous. I mean, from every uh, aspect of this, but it, it actually made it to the Supreme Court. Uh, and uh, there, uh, we all won at the district court level. The federal district court is where you start, uh, except for Sheriff Coog in Texas. How does a sheriff in Texas lose a gun rights case, a state sovereignty case? And I, I figured it must have been the, the judge that moved in from Chicago, because I don't know how they lost. All of us won. Vermont won. Wyoming won. Louisiana, Mississippi, Arizona, myself, and then Sheriff Prince and I were in the same uh, circuit court, uh, appeal court, uh, so we were in the jurisdiction of the Ninth Circuit, which is San Francisco. Well, nothing happens good at the Ninth <laughs> Circuit, and we got overturned. We lost, but Sheriff Coog and Sheriff Romero from Louisiana, they won at the Fifth Circuit on the exact same case. So how do you have a complete opposite ruling in the Fifth Circuit in New Orleans with the uh, liberals in uh, the Ninth Circuit in San Francisco? Uh, and not only that, the Fifth Circuit shook their finger at, uh, at the Ninth Circuit with such a, a ridiculous uh, ruling that had nothing to do with the Constitution or the Tenth Amendment. They just play politics. 
And so um, my attorney said that that will guarantee us a trip to the United States Supreme Court because of the opposite rulings at the circuit level. And indeed it did. So, and then so they consolidated, just, consolidated yes, those so cases. Did. Exactly. And so Sheriff Prince and I went to the Supreme Court. I met uh, James Brady there uh, for whom the Brady bill was named. Uh, and this ha has a lot of bearing on the assassination attempt on Ronald Reagan as uh, Brady was shot in the head and got the worst of it and was kind confined to a wheelchair the rest of his life. I found him a very congenial and, and uh, personable man. I really liked him. I did not get along with his wife, Sarah Brady, who was pushing this and exploiting her husband uh, for this. I appeared first with her uh, in May of 1994 on the Phil Donahue show in New York City. And uh, I do not believe uh, for an instant that she was a good or honorable person. Uh, <clears throat> there's a lot of people that uh, say they have good intentions, but what they're doing is actually destroying our constitution and destroying America and American ideals. So um, now back, uh, if you want me to get into the power and, and, and independence of the sheriff, I can do that now if well, you like. Well, ba back, back up just one second and explain oh. the 10th Amendment and how that fits into the amendments and how that oh, preserves okay, our, yeah. our rights first. The 10th Amendment is the place where you really find the epitome of checks and balances. It's up to the states to keep the federal government in check. And that's really what the 10th the Amendment says. It says, the powers not delegated to, and that's a key word. I can't tell you, Robert, how important the D word is in the 10th Amendment. Delegated. Well, who delegated these powers to the federal government in the first place? You could, you could get three answers out of that, but the most powerful one probably is the states did. The states formed the federal government. And that is key in all of this. The federal government just didn't come along and then say, okay, we're boss. And then the states are next. And then this, the counties are next. And then the cities are next. And the people are below that. It's actually an upside down triangle. See, most governments are shaped like this. They're, they're a triangle. The king or the dictator, the president, the prime minister is up at the top. And then you have the parliament or Congress. And then down at the bottom, you have the people. Well, in America, it was completely reversed. The triangle goes like this. Okay. So it goes, the top part is the biggest part. And then the triangle, I can't keep my finger straight. And then sure. it goes big at the top and then small at the bottom. The smallest part of the triangle of power in America is the federal government. The president and Congress are down at the very bottom and the people are up at the top. We are in charge. We delegate and we authorize all power and authority in this country to all of our representatives. They need our permission to exist. They need our permission to act. And now that's been destroyed pretty much too, where the federal government now has just assumed uh, so much power and stolen and usurped so much uh, power illegally and the the supreme court goes along with them that's also federal and the federal government together with with the executive branch and legislative branch and judicial branch have created their own monopoly in washington dc over power and it's all illegal the states have failed to do their job and stay in charge so when the 10th amendment says 
the powers not delegated to the United States, uh, to the federal government. All those powers are retained. All powers not delegated to them are retained by the people or the states, respectively. Now, what does that mean? Okay, so let's take, for example, how many powers were delegated to the federal government regarding law enforcement, okay, in the Constitution? You have to look at that because the 10th Amendment is the supreme law of the land. It's part of the Bill of Rights. The Bill of Rights is the ultimate list of powers uh, and, well, let me change that. It's the list of, of uh, rights that the federal government can never touch. It's a list of untouchables. And these powers are to be retained by the states and by the people. But they, like I said, they've been stolen by the federal government over the years, and the states didn't do anything about it because they went along with the political uh, powers. At the, if the Republicans are in charge, the Republicans in the states go along. If the Democrats are in charge, the Democrat powers, uh, the governors and so on, will go along because they have to support the party. And that's what that's what Washington warned us, that a two-party system would destroy our country, and it, indeed it is. And so the powers delegated by the states, by we the people, to the, to the new federal central government, there were only five law enforcement authorities delegated to them. Let's go over those real quick. Treason is one of the law enforcement authorities the federal government is supposed to be investigating. Boy, wouldn't you like the FBI to pursue treason? <laughs> <laughs> the next one is counterfeiting. Counterfeiting of our uh, dollar system. Well, the Federal Reserve has destroyed that. The IRS is part of that uh, criminal activity, but counterfeiting, you're, you're not allowed to counterfeit, and that's a federal offense. Another one is felonies committed on the high seas or piracies. See, how would the states send ships out to um, uh, govern and, and direct law enforcement on the high seas? Would be pretty impossible, pretty difficult for the states like Nebraska to go do that. And so that is... The National, the National Guard or the Coast Guard is in charge of that. Uh, so there's three right there. Another one is they are required by the, by the uh, Article 4, Section 4, to protect our borders from invasion. That's also assigned to them. Boy, they can't even do that. They can't balance a budget and they can't protect the borders. And we're supposed to depend on these uh, inept and corrupt uh, bureaucracies uh, to run our country. And that's really who runs our country. We, we are a bureaucratic nightmare uh, being run by a bunch of crooks who don't know uh, anything about what the Constitution was intended to do. And then the last, the fifth one is violations of treaties. So if we have a treaty with Canada or some other foreign country and a citizen violates that treaty, that's a federal offense. Those are the only five law enforcement authorities that the federal government has. So let me ask a question to every American. When does the federal government have authority over drug distribution or drug trafficking? When and where? It's only one place, the border. 
They have jurisdiction at the border. They are in charge of repelling invasions and stopping crimes at the border. They were delegated that authority. If they fail, if they fail to do it, can the states take it back and do it on their own? Of course. And we're seeing that in Texas. The Texas, Depart uh, the Texas uh, Department of Public Safety is indeed uh, uh, re right now engaged in protecting the border. Uh, obviously, they don't have enough and they need more. Uh, and so th that's the whole that's the whole kit and caboodle right there. If they try to expand their law enforcement authority, the states must stop it. The sheriffs must stop it. Uh, the governors, the state legislatures, they cannot have that power. Uh, the states can do all the other uh, uh, drug interdiction, uh, all crimes, uh, bank robbery. Why is that a federal offense? The bank is in my jurisdiction, and I guarantee you the sheriffs can work. Well, what if it goes across the border? Well, then I work with the sheriff or, or DPS in the neighboring state. doesn't matter. I don't need the FBI to do that for me. And the FBI and Congress, have, as I said, have stolen so many powers and authorities that were not there, uh, that weren't for them. If the Tenth Amendment is to be enforced and means what it says, the states have got to start taking back uh, their stewardship uh, over criminal activity. And right now, the biggest crook in America is our own federal government. The CIA. IRS, yeah. the FBI, uh, FDA, it goes on and on. EPA, EPA is horrible. Uh, but all these federal bureaucracies have become powers unto themselves, and they make rules that become laws. And, and these agencies... Uh, can can arrest anybody and and find anybody and nobody does anything about it because it's all illegal but before we get into the details about the different uh police uh agencies and so on um let me just ask you a uh, quick uh i i've lost my thread anyway go ahead and just tell us about the different agencies and how the sheriffs one fit quick, into the whole thing one quick quote from scalia in this scalia does something so amazing in this decision he takes us through a history lesson. He even says at the beginning that we need to have the historical understanding to understand this issue between the sheriffs and the federal government. Historical understanding is so vital, and, and that's an amazing thing. You don't see anybody in the Supreme Court saying that anymore. Historical understanding? No, it's all political understanding. And they're all just a bunch of political hacks for either the Democrats or the Republicans. There's no, they never say the constitution says this, the founding fathers say this. That's exactly what Scalia does. He quotes the Federalist Papers. He quotes the founders. He quotes the Declaration of Independence. He quotes the constitution itself. And at one point he says, he quotes Federalist 51. Hence, a double security arises to the rights of the people. How? Quoting again. The different governments will control each other at the same time that each is controlled by itself. Well, we know the federal government's not going to control itself. So that puts the responsibility and duty on the states to keep the federal government in check. And that's where the states have failed and failed miserably. And we've got to get this back. 
So now, something like we do the Lindbergh law was counter-constitutional and is unconstitutional. You know, they claim yeah. that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So all of it is. It was a slippery. Uh, another, I mean, we could go through hundreds of, and thousands of unconstitutional laws. One is the American Disability Act. Oh, well, it's such a good idea to try to take care of people. If I don't want to make a ramp for a wheelchair in front of my business, that's my business. Maybe, uh, maybe I don't do a business with wheelchairs and it's not worth my time and effort to do that. Yet, um, OSHA will come and find me and stop and shut my business down if I don't put a ramp for a wheelchair uh, in front of my store. That's, that's none of the federal government's business. If I do that or don't, it's my business. It's my property. And, and the federal government uh, is not there to micromanage all the companies across our country. So how do we take America back? We take them county by county. One good constitutional sheriff, a sheriff who knows and understands the law, understands the constitution, understands his role in keeping our American Republic free and independent. Uh, and, and Washington DC believes that they are the only ones to decide how far their authority goes and that they're the only ones to decide uh, how they interact with the states and that the states have nothing to say about it. That is a lie. That the federal government is our boss is a lie. And Scalia points that out in here. It's, he says the state legislatures are not subject to federal direction. That means the states are not subject to federal directions. Then later he says, nor their political subdivisions, the counties and the cities were not, we are not subject to federal direction. They're not our boss. But when we act like they are, but look at the history. Who formed the federal government? The states. We, the people in the states did. So how is it that we formed them to be our boss. We did not. And there's no ruling ever that changed that. And we, we've got to act and take that back. So furthermore, let's get back to your question about how are the sheriffs different? This is the main thing right here. <laughs> there's two points to that. One is the office of sheriff precedes our country. It goes back over a thousand years. Three signers of the Declaration of Independence were former sheriffs in their counties. Uh, and, and that preceded, again, it preceded our own government. It preceded the Constitution. So sheriffs in their 1,000-year history were always the ultimate protector of the people. And they are today. The other one is the sheriff is the only elected law enforcement officer anywhere in the United States. He is elected and appointed and reviewed every four years and the people choose him and therein lies his power. He, re he reports directly to the power source. He has no other boss. He has no other supervisor. He doesn't answer to the county commission. He doesn't answer to the county attorney. He doesn't answer to the state or the governor or the state legislature. He works with all of them and he has to do his budget with the county commissioners. But once that's done and they work that out together, it's his. And all, he only answers to the people. And, and that is such a huge difference. The chief of police is a bureaucrat. He's appointed and he answers to the county manager, or I mean to the city manager. 
or to the city council. Uh, and he'll maybe the chief of police will get a contract and he sticks with that. He's not reviewed by the people. He doesn't answer to the people. Uh, he's he, That's really contrary to the republic that we were meant to be. A republic is the people choose their representatives. In a democracy, ah, you, we've seen what it, we, we've seen the dangers and destruction of democracies. It, and, and what did uh, Ben Franklin say about democracy? He said, it's three wolves and a lamb voting what's for dinner. <laughs> and that's what happens today. Uh, demo- the, the Foudy Fathers did not establish America as a democracy. Quite, quite the opposite. They were staying away from democracies. They saw the dangers of democracies. Democracies always turn totalitarian uh, and socialistic and communistic. And that's where we're at today. So, so to the outside observer, you know, the casual observer on the street, the sheriffs look like police officers look like, uh, you know, highway patrol. They all they all wear uniforms and they all seem to yeah. have some authority. Uh, yeah. But um, can you describe the uh, the relative power of these three groups? And are, are there other groups that I haven't accounted for? And uh, how many sheriffs, you know, sheriff's assistants or sheriff's employees are there in the country versus the other law enforcement groups? Well, there's 3,086 sheriffs in America. Each county has one uh, and a parish, as does uh, Louisiana. They're called parishes, not counties. Uh, they're all elected. 90, I would say 98% of them are elected. Some are moving towards appointing. After we had uh, th- thousands of sheriffs uh, get involved in uh, opposing the shutdown and opposing shutting down churches and defending pastors, uh, from arrest and, and abuse of the uh, state bureaucrats, sometimes federal, but mostly state during the pandemic, the so-called pandemic. Sheriffs, uh, 25 sheriffs in California stood against Newsom and said we would not enforce these ridiculous mandates. They, they were, uh, and in uh, well, Michigan, they actually did, arrested people uh, for having Thanksgiving dinner together, arresting people for playing together in the park because they were too close together. Uh, this is how ridiculous it got. And in America, we actually arrested some pastors for having church. Thank, excuse the pun, but thank God uh, all the charges were dropped against these people because the judges uh, didn't stay as stupid as some of the other politicians. But this is the thing. The sheriffs can and did stop most of it. Sheriffs have stopped gun control across the entire country. Sheriffs have warned Congress and the president uh, to not try to implement more gun control in their counties. All 29 sheriffs in Utah just issued a letter to Biden a a year ago and said, we will not allow you to do more gun control in any of our counties. Even the liberal one in Salt Lake City still signed up on it because she was afraid of the repercussions. Yes, And, and so, uh, you know, this is this is how crazy this has gotten. But the sheriffs have proven that they will they can and will stand against federal tyranny and 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 state tyranny. And not only that, 100 percent of the time, Robert, 100 percent of the time that the sheriffs have stood in the last 25, 35 years against federal intrusions, they have won. Wow. So this organization, CSPOA.org, which is your website, 
is this is your group, right? And that it's holding Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association, CSPOA. Yes, it's all about creating more constitutional sheriffs that work with their people to, as Madison said, erect the barriers against the encroachments of the national authority. We must erect those barriers. If we're going to keep this movement for freedom, the sheriff must be involved with his citizens and he he should be forming, we train them to form their own posses and make the people part of this process. As far as the numbers, uh, I'm not sure how many deputies that uh, sheriffs have, but they're, you know, it's it's probably about a million nationwide. A million. So oh, this, yeah. Is, yeah. this is this is consequential percent of the entire policing and law enforcement in the whole country. Yeah, it's big. It's big. Uh, for instance, uh, Maricopa County has about 3,000, uh, and that's the biggest county in Arizona. So you look at Los Angeles County, again, they have three or 4,000. Uh, and so you, you get that nationwide, and then like the smaller ones, like I had 15 full-time deputies, but I also had 10 jailers. Uh, we had reserves that helped us, and 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 uh, a search and rescue squad, a volunteer search and rescue squad of 50 people. And so uh, we love the volunteers. Uh, we love the deputies and deputy means I'm not, we don't call ourselves, uh, we are police officers, but we call ourselves deputies. A deputy acts in the stead of whoever is their boss. So he is an extension of the sheriff and he represents the sheriff who represents the people. And, and our motto, our motto is uphold, defend, protect, and serve. Those are the f- four words that we need every sheriff to remember. Uphold, defend, protect, serve. That actually, most of those words come right from the oath of office where we swear an oath of allegiance to the United States Constitution and the Constitution of the state. We are the defenders of liberty. And that's... That's where we have really missed in our training of law enforcement nationwide. Our, our police academies, our sheriff's academies do not train in that. And we have got to get back to that. And the sheriff is the ultimate protector of the people. And what has he promised to do? Protect them from all enemies, both foreign and domestic. So <laughs> it's, it's mind boggling to somebody on the outside of this who walks around and sees uh, the uh, law enforcement is all kind of the same thing. Um, so this group that you formed, how old is it? Uh, 12 years, uh, going on 12 years uh, in 23 will be 12 years old. And it's all about uh, two things, returning our country to its constitutional foundation and doing so peacefully. Uh, it, it, we are a very effective and peaceful solution. And I'm going to tell you right now, Robert, I don't believe there's another one in the country. Another you show group me like another, this. You show me another peaceful and effective solution, uh, and I'll invite them. In. We invite all groups in, like Gun Owners of America and the Claremont Institute and uh, PAN, uh, Protect America Now. We invite all those groups to be a part of what we're doing. But this, it, it's only, we will only invite groups and people who believe in our constitutional foundation and that it must be restored uh, and its godly heritage restored and uh, that we will do this peacefully. We will not advocate violence. We haven't. Uh, if, if, 
if we have to quell violence, we will. That's what a sheriff's supposed to do. But uh, we will not be part of creating violence in this country. So we want to stop it. You, sheriffs have their own jail system generally in a county. Yes. Is that correct? I ran a jail. Yes, I ran a jail. And that jail uh, in Los Angeles, is that managed by the sheriffs? Yes. Probably, yeah. Yes. Uh, and so this organization, ordinary people can join for about $100 a year and support your activities. And so yes. I- In fact, we, we, it's vital that we do that. In fact, it's part of the success that we have. And do people think that this is going to happen without some funding? Well, we the people, we ask you, we ask you, we the people, the Foundation of America, to be a part of this solution. And you're the one that keeps us funded. So as soon as we get off, I'm going to join myself. And I've read enough about you and understand enough about what you're doing that I think it's vitally important. And I'm if if the listeners want to learn more about the ruination of the amendments, which are the law, the the law, the foundational laws on which all of the other laws in the country uh, rest, um, right. they can go to JFK, uh, the Children's Health Defense website, and listen to JFK Jr.'s uh, speeches about how the amendments have all been sort of taken down one by one and damaged, uh, except the second seems to be holding up. What's your feeling about that? I mean, well, it seems to be a pretty good the fight. Most attack. Yeah. It's yeah. the most attacked, especially by pragmatism. They just think that if uh, if they ignore trying to get rid of the Second Amendment, but pass all these supposed laws at their state legislature or the United States Congress, uh, they act like the Second Amendment says exactly opposite of what it says, that you shall infringe the right of the people any way you want. As long as you can say that it's for their own good, you can destroy any amendment that you want or any right that you want. Uh, the, the second is most attacked, but it's still there. And it's also the one that sheriffs rally around the most. So, so you give support to the concealed weapons carriers in these states where that's necessary? Yes, but we don't believe that uh, the states have any right to uh, right. For, force you to get a permit. Yeah. Uh, the people that say the Second Amendment is my permit, I totally agree with that. And if you look at the state constitutions, especially of the 13 original states, they're even stronger on the right to keep and bear arms than is the federal Second Amendment. And, and, and so it's very clear to see that the founding fathers of this great country uh, intended for the people to be in charge uh, of our government and that we are the final say because we are armed and trained and well-regulated. Which are the key words in that uh, Second Amendment. Second Amendment. And well, regu well regulated meant something back then uh, that was different. It meant practiced and uh, and yeah, it didn't mean abilities. government oppression. Yeah. It, it, may, it meant well trained. Yeah. So, if you can uh, describe a little bit more about what is going on in El Paso and all that stuff, and you said Texas was doing a good job, but it just it seems like one nightmare after another to me, and it just I. Uh, Tell, well, they're trying to think. do a good job, yeah. but, but it's too big. I mean, we have sheriffs there that are inundated with uh, the problems with Ill illegal aliens. Uh, and uh, poor Sheriff Coe in uh, uh, Barnett County, we, we had a big training there. And um, Democrat sheriffs came to our training uh, because they have seen the destruction and devastation of what Biden has caused at the border. This has caused such criminal 
activity along the border states and throughout our entire country. Hundreds of thousands now die each year because of the drugs coming in from the border. Biden takes no care about that whatsoever. He takes no responsibility for stopping that. And now we've seen uh, what a traitor we have in the White House. Uh, and it, this is just expanding uh, to the entire country. And now sheriffs are, are starting to unite to uh, protect the border. And Texas uh, does not have enough people uh, in the Department of Public Safety to do it and still uh, patrol all the uh, city, the state highways. So <clears throat> yes, they're trying, but it's still not enough. Uh, and we're now getting somewhere. I don't agree. I, I really like Abbott's uh, tongue-in-cheek transportation of illegal illegals to other cities, but it's illegal for him to do that. Uh, you you can't transport illegals. Uh, the the only thing you can do with illegals is send them back. And uh, so what he's doing is is a pretty neat show, uh, and it, shoving it in the face of these sanctuary cities that said, "Yeah, bring us, bring them on." Well, they they can't tell you to commit a crime, and Abbott really is committing a crime, uh, and he needs to start sending those buses back to El Salvador, uh, Guatemala. Uh, Uruguay and, 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 and yes, absolutely Mexico. And, and now there's a bunch of people stopped uh, at the border uh, because uh, Texas is, it has got armed guards at some of these places. Uh, those people need to be told to go back and Biden needs to send that message. And the federal government should not hire 87,000 more bullies and criminals for the IRS. They should hire 87,000 more agents to stop the influx of, illegal aliens into our country, stop the human trafficking, stop the sexual exploitation of children and stop the stop drugs. The drugs. Yeah. Exactly. It's awful. That fentanyl is a disaster. Uh, so um, what about the uh, national guard? They were people talk about him being able to call in the national guard. Can he do that? He can, he can. And, uh, but still, I'm not sure how many they have uh, and they've done it before. Uh, and Arizona ha has done it before. Even Democrat uh, Janet Napolitano way back when, uh, 20 years ago, was uh, starting to use National Guard and DPS. And then she ran for governor. Or, and uh, no, she ran for uh, um, Homeland Security head or uh, HUD or whatever. She was one of those uh, for uh, Obama. And uh, and then she stopped caring about the border uh, while she was governor. She wasn't she was actually doing a, a, a decent job for a a corrupt Democrat, but uh, she saw how it was destroying Arizona. Uh, and now it's gotten 10 times worse and still uh, no one's doing much about it. Uh, trying to put boxcars stacked at the border uh, to stop a few <laughs> places, you know, you know, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty ridiculous. And uh, we, we've got to tackle this and Arizona has every right to do it, but California won't do it and New Mexico won't do it. So just having Texas and Arizona do it won't be enough either. And uh, poor Texas is really getting the worst of it. And uh, we, the people, have got to join in this effort. The sheriffs are uh, lacking the resources to do it themselves. And the states need a lot of help. Do you, do you get involved with your border in, well, you're not a sheriff. Uh, you're not uh, doing that job anymore. But do you get involved with the Arizona border? 
I have in the past uh, a little bit. We we when I was sheriff, uh, I was Graham County, and that's only one county. Cochise County was the only county that separated us from the border. So we worked with it uh, quite a bit. But again, that was uh, 25 years ago. I left the office 25 years ago. Um, and so it's it's much, much worse. It's uh, to the 10th power worse uh, than it was back then. And uh, the sheriffs of Arizona are trying to help and, and do the best to unite on this. But we have one sheriff in Santa Cruz County that doesn't believe there's a problem. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh so how many sheriffs belong to your group? I mean, this seems very powerful and I, I don't know what they'd be do, doing if they don't belong. Well, we've, since we formed 12 years ago, we've trained over 800 sheriffs, but over half of them are not sheriffs anymore. Oh. And the last two years we've, we've trained about 300 and a uh, hundred over a hundred of those are in Texas and the Texas sheriffs really on fire. They're really doing a great job there. The thing of it is we need the funding uh, to make this much bigger. And right now we go across the country doing meetings with 10 sheriffs here, 20 sheriffs there, 30 sheriffs here, five sheriffs here. We've even done the training for uh, Texas County commissioners and judges. Uh, just recently, we did that uh, four or five months ago in, in West Texas. Uh, we'll train any public official. Uh, we, we invite chiefs of police to be a part of this. Uh, Depart Department of Public Safety usually gets squashed by the, the governor and the, he doesn't let them come or whatever, but they're all invited. But sheriffs are independent and they don't have to ask permission for anyone to attend these meetings. You've got to get trained. You cannot do this in ignorance. We want to reinforce the sheriff's commitment to their oath of office, to the Constitution, to civil rights. And and when, when placed in the, the quandary of choosing to help an IRS agent confiscate property and bank accounts from citizens in my county or defending the rights of, to property to their own uh, fruits of their own labor to my citizens, who do I side with? That's an easy one, Robert. I side with the citizen. I, sign, I side with liberty and I protect the citizen against the federal bureaucrat or the state bureaucrat who has proven to be criminal and destructive. So, so this is, uh, you know, something I've read about. There are these theories that you guys can convene grand juries if you get together. No, not true. Not true. So, there hasn't been a sheriff do that in over a hundred years. That has been turned over to the county attorney. I can go to the county attorney and say, Look, I've done this investigation on this person. Please convene a grand jury and let's get this guy going. That's my part in that. I, as the investigator, cannot investigate someone and then call my own grand jury on that person. No. It's, it's changed since then. There might have been a time when, the, when sheriffs did that uh, because there, was, there really wasn't a prosecutor in some of these places back then and kind of the old West, 1870s, 18. 80s. Uh, but the sheriff, the procedure now is there's a check and balance on all of that. The sheriff investigates, brings the information to the county attorney. He convenes a grand jury and the sheriff can help with all of that and be a part of it. But he is not in charge of the grand jury anymore. Well, the um, the rumors that are going around is that all of the state's attorney generals are either corrupted or bribed or they're uh, 
they're intimidated and many they, of them are many of them are and and he he doesn't have to go through the uh the the ag he's got a county attorney that's elected by foreign of the people just like he is so anyone can any one of those attorneys uh attorney the well, da or the county attorney yeah yeah county attorney's the prosecutor and and if the if the sheriff doesn't like what he did he can expose that to the people and uh tell the people you need to get rid of this county attorney he won't do his job do you have any perceptions about what's going on in Florida with the, they claim they're going to uh, get, uh, you know, grand juries together? Uh, yeah, well, a lot of people think that you can form your own grand jury. You can't. Okay. But apparently there are five or six states where you can. No, 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 not they can't. in practice. They're you know, saying that they're doing it and then doing it. It, it, I'm telling you, Robert, it has not happened. And it will not happen. They have no teeth. Is it, see, even if 12 people, 16 people get together and say, okay, we're going to try the local uh, mayor for corruption. Okay, well, they, they do it. Uh, okay. And then they issue an indictment. Who's going to serve the indictment? Who's going to make the arrest? Who's going to prosecute? It all ends right there. And so these common law citizen grand juries, uh, they don't work. Uh, they might have be good intentioned, but it's not government by foreign of the people. They do not work. Uh, they have not had success. A lot of them claim there's several that can claim that they got rid of some judges and they got some judges arrested. I even investigated that. Uh, those were judges who retired and they never went to jail and they, they did not get arrested. There was one ju judge in uh, Pennsylvania that got arrested, uh, but the state arrested him because he was arresting juveniles and because of the huge money that came in from this incarcerating juveniles he was taking a kickback and the money that did not happen from common law grand juries it would it happened from the state enforcement do you have some quick comments about carrie lake and what's going on with maricopa yes i love her and i can't stand the corruption of maricopa county they have a corrupt uh, sheriff and they have uh, corrupt officials there and uh uh, Carrie Lake deserves to win and and she deserves uh, her day in court. And what I fear, uh, it, it, my prediction is that she will not win. Uh, she a, a judge will not declare this election to be null and void or fraudulent. Uh, there will not there will not be a new election in Arizona, which should happen. But the corruption is going to win. Um, uh, George Soros backed candidates are going to win. Uh, one thing here. With all the horrible things going on, especially at our border, with the crime increasing, with the inflation, with the out of control crimes, with human trafficking and sexual exploitation of children and the drugs coming in, there is no way the Arizonans were so stupid to endorse that and to endorse uh, Joe Biden and the horrible things that he's done to Arizona and that the, the people of Arizona raised up and said, yes, we want more of this. We want Biden to do more of this to our border, to our people, and to our bank accounts. And uh, we're just going to reelect uh, and and get uh, reelect uh, uh, the senator from our. <laughs> uh, can't even remember his name now. But Masters should have won. Uh, Mark Fincham should have been Secretary of State. Good friend of mine. All of these major offices in Arizona have been won by Democrats. There is absolutely no way 
uh, besides being completely inept and didn't campaign and refused to uh, debate Carrie Lake. Katie Hobbs is an absolute joke. Uh, and there's no way the state of Arizona uh, did all this. And, and that should be enough for an investigation right there in and of itself. But on election day, it was a huge turnout for Republicans. And supposedly, Katie Hobbs still won that too. Absolutely no way. Carrie is correct. She is a good person. She really put herself on the line here. But there's not a judge here in Arizona that has the guts to stand against election fraud. And that's another thing we're training our sheriffs to do. I just have a couple of more unrelated questions. Is, is your perception that the federal judiciary has, you know, my, my feeling is, is that some, some, somebody up there in the Supreme Court reached into his, his panties and found a pair of balls somewhere. And, <laughs> but I don't know if that's true or not. And you're a closer observer of it than I am, Sheriff Mack. I follow the Supreme Court very closely, and I uh, and I don't believe this Brunson case is going to go anywhere either way because there's not enough justices with the guts uh, to to stand for what's right. Explain uh, what that not is. Gonna, they're not going to stop corruption. They're not going to stop the Democrat Republican monopoly on our government. They're not going to. I believe that uh, Clarence Thomas would have the guts to do it, and I think he's probably the only one. Well, give us some hope here at the end of the podcast. Uh, there is hope. We take back America county by county. You can take it. You don't have to worry about Washington, D.C. <clears throat> your sheriff can make Washington, D.C. irrelevant in your county. Take back the Constitution. Declare yourselves to be a constitutional county. Restore the Constitution as the supreme law of the land and have your sheriff enforce it. And we take, imagine that we did that a thousand times. 1,000 sheriffs doing that nationwide, and they're united in that holy cause. We can take America back. So so our listeners can join Sheriff Mack at the yes. CSPOA.org website. Make any amount of donation you want. Become a posse member. Like you said, it's not much $11, $13 a month or $99 a year. I think it might be going up in January, but right now it's 100 bucks a year. Do it a month per month. <coughs> Excuse me. I, I would say this. Look down at your hands. The victory for winning our Constitution is in your hands. Will you donate? Will you make us bigger, better, and faster? Will you help us prepare this national conference with a thousand sheriffs? That's going to cost over $3 million. Where is it? Will you help us do that? Where, where and when is that? We're thinking of doing two, one in the West and one in the East, or we might just want to do one big one in Las Vegas. So um, this thing is growing. Basically, I read about your 2021 year, and apparently 2022, which you haven't reported on yet, was bigger right. than 2021. Is that correct? Yes, it, it is. And uh, you know how we're growing and how we're really making a, an impact? We've been attacked by Washington Post five times within the last year. CNN has attacked us. Uh, they did a big, huge story about us. The Daily Beast has attacked us, MSNBC, uh, all the national networks. Uh, 60 Minutes tried to do a, a hit piece on us, but we, we stopped it. Uh, we, we didn't cooperate and they couldn't run it. Uh, Showtime tried to do a, a big show on us and a big uh, a story about me. Uh, I have been under attack nationwide. 
Uh, I've been called everything opposite of what my mom raised me to be racist, bigot, and, and uh, uh, all these horrible things that the Anti-Defamation League has defamed me over and over and over. <laughs> and yet, and yet uh, I've never done anything violent in 20 years of law enforcement. I never slugged, slapped, beat, nightstick, maced, or shot another human being. Um, I, I've, ne- I, I've never mistreated people, uh, misused my badge, never. But now the Southern Property Law Center has me as one of the top 40 domestic terrorists. <laughs> and, and so you know we're doing something right. They're, they're scared to death that we would take back America county by county. They're afraid of the sheriffs because they know the power of the sheriffs. And I even had one reporter from CNN, her name Sarah Sidner. I asked her, I said, well, then who's in charge? Who's the ultimate law enforcement authority in the county? She goes, I, she says, I can't disagree with you on that one. She says, it is the sheriff. You know, and I said, wow, we actually agreed on something. Is there anything to be done behind enemy lines in California? <laughs> I well, mean, we're, again, it's sheriff, freaking we, dystopian. We, yeah. You, you know, I personally don't think there's much hope for sheriff for, for, uh, the state of California, but there are some good sheriffs there. Yeah. And if the sheriffs, if the sheriffs will get double their efforts and maybe quadruple their efforts in California, they can create some pockets of freedom there that Newsom will not be able to pre- penetrate. Can you do anything with the LDS le- leadership? I think the LDS people have their hearts in the right place, but the leadership seems out to lunch. Uh, I'm LDS. Yeah, and I, I know. And I totally agree with you. I do not support what the, the church hierarchy has been doing. Uh, I've, I've been very critical of that. Uh, and uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, look, the, the LDS people believe in the Constitution. It's in our theology that it was inspired by God. And that's really where we need to hang our hat. Stick with the principles understand the godly foundation of America and, and put the constitution first. And, and I I was raised with that. And I believe it 100% that these men, this is from our own scripture, that these men were raised up for this very purpose. The founding fathers were raised up for that very purpose. If we're going to maintain uh, liberty in this country, the churches, all of them have got to be part of the process. Well, thank you for what you're doing, and you. I'm going to join the posse, and I hope I've uh, some of my uh, listeners will consider that too and have a look no, at the all of them. CSPOA <laughs> website. Well, you can't convince everybody of everything. Correct. <laughs> I've learned that, but I'm grateful for your time, and uh, uh, thank you again. Thank you for having me, and and may God bless us as we join together hand in hand as Americans in the holy cause of liberty, as Patrick Henry called it. Okay. Thanks again. Bye. You too.